everybody. My name is Andrew Gamison, and welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. If you are a regular listener, I thank you for your continued support. Uh, it really does mean a lot when you listen to the show and when you give us feedback. That just shows how we can hopefully serve you better as the podcast goes on. It's pretty amazing to think about the fact that I've been recording from home now for uh, basically three months of broadcasts. I never would have thought that I would do more than two or three when I started on this at-home journey, and I'm super glad that I wasn't waiting for the opportunity to go back to the studio, uh, because this whole lockdown quarantine scenario has lasted a lot longer than I anticipated, Um, but I'm very thankful for the faithfulness of God, and I do have an intriguing and important topic, I believe, for today's show. But before I get into that, I just want to send my condolences to Tim and Olivia Veldkamp. Um, Olivia's mom uh, passed away recently, and they are having the funeral today. And so if you can keep Tim and Olivia and their families in your prayers today as they say um, a temporary goodbye to um Olivia's mom, Tammy, that would be awesome. Tammy was a wonderful person, and uh, I really uh, appreciated getting to meet her last year for the first time, and she treated me like a long-lost friend. So she was one of those rare people that didn't know a stranger, and um, I'm very thankful um, to have the friendship of her daughter, Olivia, and she's definitely her, her mother's daughter in that regard as well. So I'm very grateful for them, and I just ask that you would um, say a little prayer for them as they are going through this time. It's going to be a rough time. It's always a rough time when we lose someone that we love. And even though we are told to sorrow not as those who have no hope, uh, we still have sorrow. And the cool thing is that we can use our own sorrows and and sufferings to minister to others in their suffering. And so my prayer for you is that if you have gone through this kind of suffering, um, that you would reach out to others who have suffered in this way, and that we would be the body of Christ to one another in this very important regard. All right, well, today um, marks the 4th of July weekend. Uh, We're a day away from the 4th of July. Obviously, it's going to take a different form for many of us than it usually does because many of our uh, 4th of July celebrations have been canceled. And that's actually not the theme of our show today, although uh, talking about our independence will come up later in the show. Uh, Today's topic is actually called If This, Then That. And the, the, the... premise behind this is that a lot of people, and I believe this happens on both sides, whether conservative or more liberal leaning on particular arguments, a lot of people assume that if you believe one thing, you must believe another. And I've seen this um, as someone who comes from the conservative side of things uh, being put forth by liberals quite often uh, lately, and so I thought it was important to address some of those issues, and um, so that's what we're going to do, and I hope that this will be received in the spirit of love in which it is delivered, Um, kind of like last week's episode, I know these things are kind of difficult to discuss, but I also think that I wanted the opportunity um, to express my... uh, my feelings and my beliefs on these issues, and I wanted to do it in a longer form than just a simple Facebook post uh, where there would be a lot of uh, of comments potentially on a thread, and people would just be going back and forth. Now, I do encourage comments on this podcast, but my point is that um, my hope is that as I uh, lay this out, that you will at least have a newfound respect for uh, my beliefs and the beliefs of my fellow conservatives and more importantly Christians on these issues, even if we don't agree. And I think 
that's an important distinction to make. We don't have to agree on these issues to coexist in our society, but we do need to make sure that we're not um, giving a slanted view of someone's belief. Because if you haven't walked in my shoes, you don't really know what I believe. So if you make a blanket statement about what Christians or conservatives believe, then then you're just not uh, not being completely uh, fair. This actually did come out of a particular Facebook post from a friend that I greatly love and respect. I'm not going to say any names on here, but her post really made me think about the importance of making sure that my beliefs are clearly articulated and that we have a dialogue about these important issues. Because I think one of the important things that we are missing today is that we think that the answer to our problems is not to have dialogue. We, we really do. We, we think that we, if, we, if we have dialogue, then we create problems. So the answer is just to shut our mouths and not dialogue. Um, but the, the answer is not that. The answer is uh, to learn to have a dialogue that's respectful on both sides, um, where positions are articulated and it doesn't degenerate into name-calling. Um, because I think the overall premise of a lot of people is that if they don't agree with my side, they are the most evil people I could ever think of. And, and maybe even that is a slight exaggeration. But the idea being, if they don't agree with me, there must be some evil motivation behind their lack of agreement. So as we dig into this topic, I want to look at it from that perspective. And so for our quote of the day, I want to bring up a verse that kind of alludes to one of these topics. Um, and it will really, really start us off. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. And in this passage, we see uh, my primary reason for being pro-life. I believe that God places babies in the womb, and I believe that he has a purpose for every baby that is born and that he knows those babies intimately before they are even born. That is a primary reason why I am pro-life. No doubt about it, period, end of sentence. However, I know that people that are not believers in Jesus, people that do not believe the Bible, can quickly dismiss that because they say it's, it's scripture, which I do not believe, so why would I uh, believe that? And I understand that, but I also know that science tells us that an unborn baby is a living being. Well, all you have to do is look at an ultrasound image and you see a living being. You can hear a heartbeat of a baby um, two or three weeks into gestation and stopping a beating heart stops a life. You can argue whether that is allowed you can argue whether it's legal you can argue whether there are reasons to do it or not do it but you can't argue that a that a beating heart uh that a beating heart isn't living and that you can't argue that stopping a beating heart doesn't stop life at the end of life if someone uh is dying one of the primary ways we know that they're dead is through the stopping of their beating heart and so I think that it's perfectly reasonable on the other side to say that a beating heart starting is a good barometer for the beginning of life. That's why I've been encouraged by many of these states that have adopted these uh, heartbeat bills where they say if a baby's heartbeat is present, they are a baby entitled to every bit of the rights of every um, citizen of our great country because they are alive and are indeed separate people. Um, and you can even go before that and find that they have unique DNA from their uh, parents. And one actually interesting way to see that is I actually saw a video of a, of a girl that had a disorder whereby she actually was a twin, but in some, uh, some twist of whatever, whatever happened when she was... 
uh, in utero, uh, her twin was absorbed into her, and as a result, she has two different sets of DNA. One, I, th I think, basically, I think it takes different forms with every person that has it, but I think a basic way it could be is that one one DNA is in her mouth, one DNA is under her fingernails. And that is just, to me, a further proof that each individual human has different DNA. And so I think that, that even though a Bible verse, even though the Bible is my primary reason for being pro-life, I think that science bears that out. And why is that an important starting point for our discussion? I believe it's an important starting point for our discussion is because I, I think that we assume that if you have a certain position, you believe some, you also believe, uh, you also believe something else. Or if you don't believe a certain thing, you can't have a certain position. And the first one that I want to address, the first topic along those lines is simply this. It is, if you are for the death penalty, you must not be pro-life. Now, the Facebook post that I um, talked about at the start of this premise, or at the start of this podcast, was uh, under the guise, one of the first things that this poster mentioned was, if you are for the death penalty, you can't be pro-life. <clears throat> And I actually believe the exact opposite, which is this, that the death penalty is in place because of, and not in spite of, the preciousness of life. If life was not the most precious thing that God has given us, then the death penalty would be irrelevant. I believe the death penalty is important precisely because of the preciousness of human life. And one of the reasons that I believe that I can support that from a biblical worldview is that in Genesis 9-6, Jesus, or God said, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for the image of God, for in the image of God made he man. So basically what he's saying here is that God um, made us in his image. We are the very image bearers of God. So if someone were to kill us, then they um, deserve quite fairly the death penalty. And I think it's kind of significant that this was brought up uh, before God gave the law of Moses. So this is pre-law. This is God talking to Noah after the flood and saying, if a man kills someone, they need to be uh, put to death. And I believe that the government... That's one of the government's responsibilities, to execute justice on behalf of those who have lost their lives. Now, I do understand that we need to be very careful about who we uh, put on death row, who we give the death penalty, who we find guilty of murder. And I do understand, through certain things like the Innocence Project, that there are people that were arrested pre-DNA that were innocent, and thank Thankfully, they were able to spend years on death row because they had time to be uh, found innocent. But the overall premise of the death penalty, I don't think is wrong. Because I think the idea behind it is everyone's life is so precious that if someone deigns to take it, to um, using the death penalty as the ultimate deterrent is not a bad thing and is in fact a good thing. Now, I will hasten to say that I don't I won't get up in arms or get in your face if we disagree on this topic. I'm just laying out this is why I believe it firmly and I actually believe it's a firmer uh pro-life position than one that does not involve the death penalty. And I appreciate as I said healthy feedback, good debate on the subject, as long as it doesn't denigrate into name-calling. And we need to realize that being pro-life is important because we are made by God. And that is the second part of my discussion on this topic, and that is...
in Psalm 139, 13 to 16, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. Uh, my my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. So, and that's Psalm one thirty nine thirteen to sixteen. So again, the premise of my being for the death penalty is exactly the the fact that we were made in the image of God, that we were knit together in our mother's wombs, and that it was a far more intricate and more important creation than any animal creation that God did. Um, he he created man. And there was no suitable partner for him until he created woman, because a man is not an animal. A man uh, was created by the dust of the ground, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This is not the way that he created any other being. Every other being on earth, other than mankind, was created by God just speaking them into existence. And in, 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 and in the case of mankind... He said, I'm going to breathe into your very nostrils the breath of life, and I'm going to create you by hand, by the dust of the earth. And for me, it just, it just blows my mind when I think about it. These are truths from Sunday school that we've heard, but when you actually sit back and contemplate that God created you by his very hand, it really puts things into perspective. Okay. The second thing is, second thing I want to address, if this then that, is if you are against illegal immigration, you must hate immigrants. Again, this this couldn't be further from the truth. The fact of the matter is that America is made up of immigrants. Um, my grand my great grandfather came over from Denmark in 1923, and he his name changed from Andrews to Andrew, and he worked in office furniture which is kind of interesting because my dad still works in office furniture to this day so it's like a multi-generational legacy and I think that's really exciting when I used to go to the furniture city exhibit in the public museum which I don't like their new iteration of it their old one was better um, that's just a little aside but when I went to that I felt like I was part my legacy was part of both sides of that Thing because when I saw the first part of the exhibit, I saw about John Whittacombe and thought about my grandfather. And when I went to the the end of the exhibit, I saw basically my dad working in his factory, um, a factory whereby he would later work in the office, um, which I'm actually grateful for today because he wouldn't have been able to do a factory job during this pandemic, but he's been able to keep working. Um, a lot of people cite the Old Testament when they talk about how we need to um, deal kindly with the foreigner. And surely God said that to the children of Israel. I totally agree with that. I totally understand that. But if you look in the Old Testament also, you will find that God had requirements for the foreigners who abode with the Israelites. So while it, while it was true that God said, be kind to the foreigner, there were certain rules that were laid out in Scripture for those who wanted to be named among the Jews and resided among the Jews at particular times. I'm just going to read a couple passages along those regards. And the first one is Deuteronomy 5.14. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt do no work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, 
nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. So, I, I want to specifically uh, point out, it says, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. So, one of the premises of being a stranger among the Israelites was the idea of assimilation. So I don't think respect for and welcoming of immigrants is a separate issue from desiring for the rule of law. Now, one thing I have said for a long time is that the United States legislature needs to come together and come up with a reasonable amount, a reasonable type of immigration reform and put it in legislative form and the president needs to sign it into law. There's definitely things that need to change in the positive in this regard because I've watched my several of my friends marry people from other countries and the hassles that they have had to go through to make that happen have been more than they should have been. But I don't think that negates the need for a law or that it means that we should totally ignore immigration law altogether. You know, we have people saying you should abolish ICE. We have people, we have the Supreme Court saying that an executive order from Barack Obama is actually law. Instead of saying what we really should do is come up with a reasonable law, change some of the things, um, make it easier to a certain respect to become a part of this country and then put it into law so people clearly know what the law is and work to continue to make this country a welcoming place. But I think it is completely misplaced to say that if I favor immigration law and if I believe that illegal immigration is wrong, that I do not want to welcome immigrants because I absolutely do. I believe that America is one of the greatest countries in the world, and I have a lot of blessings from living here, and I want other people to experience those blessings. It is so important, though, that we do it in an orderly way, because one of the things I see happening is if you let everybody come into America without having a rule of law, you're basically saying that no rules or laws matter in America, and if no rules or laws matter in America, then we're not differentiated from another country, and if we're not differentiated from another country, why do you want to come here in the first place? I mean, you can choose to kind of um, put those things aside, but I really think that those are things that we need to consider as we consider this issue. And then one final passage that I want to read on this regard is in Deuteronomy 16, 9-15. And it says, Seven days thou shalt number on these, begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sequel to the corn, and thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with the tribute of a freewill offering of thine hand, which uh, thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter, and thy manservant and thy maidservant, and the Levi, Levite that is within thy gates, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place your name there. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and observe to do all these statutes. Thou shalt observe the feast of the tabernacle seven day, days after thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. And thou shalt rejoice in the feast, thou thy son and thy daughter, and thy manservant and thy maidservant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow within thy gates. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord in the place which the Lord shall choose. Because the Lord shall bless thee in all thine increase, and in all the works of thine hand, therefore thou shalt rejoice. So I see a lot of uh, liberal people putting forth the um, passages about we need to be kind to the stranger because 
who are bond people in e- in uh, Egypt, and to remember our past and to be kind to others. And so that's why I'm putting forth these passages here, because I know some people will say, well, these are Old Testament passages, we're in the New Testament now. But I just wanted to show you that even though we are called to be kind, it does not mean that there can't be rules in place, it does not mean that there can't be laws in place, but I also agree and understand that it would be naive of me to believe that because of because a law was in place and made it a good law or a or a spotless piece of legislation or legal work. I just think that if you want to have a decent and orderly society to welcome immigrants to, having the law um, in place is a good way to do that. Because I think that if we don't have the law in place and we just say anybody can come over for any reason, um, then that kind of cheapens other laws in our country and basically there becomes no advantage to actually being a citizen of the United States. And I, I think there are some great advantages. I think we need to encourage citizenship and I think that we need to we need to just get to the legislature and hammer out a a common sense leg, uh, immigration reform that can become the law of the land through the legislature and we can prepare to continue to be the welcoming country we are. Um, I, I think it's so great that we can come to America and basically have the opportunity to become what we want to become through hard work and dedication. Um, I think one thing that we get messed up is that um, we think that uh, our founding fathers believed in life, liberty, and the guarantee of happiness. But as a matter of fact, they did not. They believed in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, And there's a difference there because we're not all going to get the same opportunities. We, we have, we have the same chance in the, in the sense that we have Liberty here to become what we want to become, but we're not going to be guaranteed the same opportunities. I can, I could have a, a full hour podcast just on that in my own life that I, I feel shortchanged in certain areas, but I'm still as shortchanged as I have been grateful to live in this wonderful place called America. So uh, let me state categorically, I am for immigrants. I am for them coming to America. I endorse them coming to America because I think that America is a great place to live. But I think that you don't need to separate um, the law or people that want to abide from the, abide by the, by the law as people that do not like immigrants. I think that's a short-sighted argument. All right. If you love God's definition of marriage, you must hate those who disagree. I hear this a lot. Um, people say, well, you, you need to love everybody and you need to lead with love. Um, but I'm reminded of a proverb that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Um, and it basically is saying that true love often involves hurting other people because you need to tell them the truth if you love them. If my mom and dad gave me ice cream every day because that's what I wanted and that was my main course, I would not be a healthy person. No, they had to give me vegetables or a rainbow on, a rainbow on my plate, as Slim Goodbody said. For those who don't know, Slim Goodbody was a nutrition expert for kids on PBS. And so if you get a chance... YouTube Slim Good Body, you'll find out who he is. But the point being that if my parents only gave me unhealthy food because they said they loved me, so they wanted to give me whatever we whatever I wanted, then that would not be love. And so I think when we talk about leading with love, I agree with it, but I think we often get the definition of love uh, wrong because we need to speak the truth in love. And that doesn't negate speaking the truth. It just says we need to be careful about the way that we speak the truth. And the truth is that God um, ordained marriage for men and women. When, G- when God created Eve, he created Eve because Adam 
needed a partner that was comparable to him and God created Eve from Adam and Adam said this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman and Jesus people say well he didn't speak against gay marriage um, and he didn't necessarily specifically say gay marriage is wrong but in this passage that I'm going to read to you in Matthew chapter 19 he actually does say it's wrong by telling you what marriage is. Because Jesus, when asked about marriage, he said this, uh, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And so in this passage, Jesus is affirming what the definition of marriage is. And he's not just shooting from the hip either. He's actually quoting Genesis when God says there in Genesis chapter 2, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. It is a one flesh uh, physical relationship that is symbiotic of the one flesh spiritual relationship that men and women enter into, and it is defined clearly by God. Now, does that mean I hate people that don't agree? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, in Galatians, we read that we are to do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. So, if I don't agree with your lifestyle choices, that is not an excuse for me to not do good to you. God tells me I need to do good to you. Um, I need to do good to all men. I need to love all men. Um, but, you know, Paul said it this way uh, when he was speaking the truth in his epistles. He says, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. Uh, Paul knew that if he didn't speak the truth to the people that he was writing to, they would face a Christless eternity in a real hell, in a burning hell. But he also knew that they didn't need to go there. And so he gave them the truth that they needed to hear. He said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said in Romans chapter 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, but 3.24 talks about the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. So we don't have to continue to fall short because through Jesus' righteousness, we can, in fact, do the opposite and claim his righteousness and be seen through the lens of his righteousness and be given a secure place in heaven. And we are to do things in our body that glorify God because our body is a temple of the Lord. So I just want to say to all of you out there that I love everyone. Um, God commands me to love everyone. I love everyone. And if I'm telling you a truth about um, your lifestyle or about things in your life that God is not pleased with, I'm only telling you that. Because I want to see you in heaven when I get there. And I'm not saying by saying that I'm going to heaven that I'm better than you. What I'm saying is that God's mercy reached down to me and cleansed me from my sin and said that I could have a future and an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, do I have to agree with the world's definition of marriage in order um, to love them? Absolutely not. Do I hate people of alternative lifestyles because I uphold the biblical definition of marriage? Absolutely not. I love you all regardless of your lifestyle, but I am called to preach and to podcast the biblical truth. And I hope and pray by God's help that I will continue to do that throughout my life. All right, we're continuing on, and uh, I hope that you are uh, being given things to think about and ways in which to dialogue with people on these important issues, because 
Again, I don't think that the um, answer is to stop dialoguing. I just think we need to change the way that we dialogue and make sure that the tenor of our dialogue is stating the truth and, and leaving people with it. I think that's one thing I've thought about too is that is that if someone states an untruth, I can state a truth, they'll probably come back at me with another argument um, for their side. I don't necessarily have to reciprocate again. I can just leave the truth um, being what it is and allow God to work in their hearts and maybe approach the subject at a different time. Because I think a lot of times we care more about being right than we care about the truth. And what I mean by that is we, we would rather win the argument and have them acknowledge that we won than actually convey the truth and love that God has for us. And I think in any one of these issues, that's something that we need to consider and be aware of so that we can make sure that we get it right. Um, another thing I'm seeing is, in this current climate, um, I'm seeing if you support please, you must not think that racism exists. Okay, this one is a little bit of a tougher one just because, first of all, I know that racism exists. As long as mankind has been alive, racism has been a part of the equation of the way we do things. You know, the Israelites struggled with the Sumerians. They considered them half-breeds. They went out of their way to avoid Samaria. Um, I just recently watched... The Chosen Episode 8, which I will um, be reviewing soon, possibly even next week. Um, and in that, it talks about the woman at the well. And it even brings out the point that the the people of Israel would go, go miles out of their way to avoid going through Samaria. Because they didn't want to be quote-unquote contaminated by the Samaritans. So racism has been a part of the equation from the beginning of time. So I would be naive to believe that racism does not exist. And I would be naive to believe that people don't have pre-existing ideas about certain people because of who they are and because even of their color of their skin. But I don't think that um, a violent situation such as what happened to George Floyd is solved by defunding the police and taking away their ability to do their job. A bad police officer should be punished, should be relieved of his duty on the force. There should be specific uh, things that police officers are expected to do and they should be punished to the fullest extent of the law if they don't do those things. That's a bottom line issue. Okay? Um... But I also think we're getting into the realm of saying everything's racist. And so the real uh, racism issues get pushed to the side or to the back burner because we don't even know what racism is. And we're tearing down statues of people that were not racist and in fact were champions for, for the slaves. I just heard about a statue of Abraham Lincoln that was being attacked that was paid for and commissioned by freed black slaves. So black people, uh, you know, agreed to have this statue or, or went together because they wanted this statue made to honor their liberator, Abraham Lincoln. And they um, are, are tearing it down, supposedly because he was not, he, he was, he was, too racist for them, even if he did do um, have something to do with the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, so I think it's important that we put things in perspective. And so I, I really hope that you realize that supporting the police and not supporting the reckless behavior and the racist behavior of certain police officers are not mutually exclusive. It's important for us to realize that. I will call out anybody, regardless of their profession, regardless of their place in uh, spots of authority, if they are being racist. 
racism is wrong, emphatically wrong. But I also believe that this country is a place of great opportunity and that we need to be thankful for it. I saw a video of a bunch of black people saying that they didn't believe that system systemic racism existed and that they were grateful for the opportunities that they got in America. And it was negated because they said, well, you're rich and successful, so of course you would say that. But a lot of the rich and successful people, whether black or white, that we know of, did not start out that way. They got that way through hard work and determination, and sometimes busting through barriers, like when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier and became um, at least one of the first. There's debate, actually, as to whether he was the first uh, major league baseball player, he, def- he uh, at least professional baseball player, who was of color, but he was definitely the most prominent um, of the uh, black players that broke into the league. And the, so the things that were done to him were unconscionable. I would never defend them, but I think we need to separate that from saying that the police as a whole are the problem. And you can't say on one side, the police need more training, we need to make sure that they are more trained on when exactly to use lethal force, and then at the same time, uh, say to defund the police. I I heard uh, yesterday, I think it was, that um, Minnesota was, was disbanding their police department and they were going to have a citizens, like a citizens board or a citizens organization of public safety. And one of the things was they were going to make sure that they didn't have any experienced police officers. So basically, you're going to take law enforcement out of the hands of people who are trained for it and give it to people who have absolutely zero training and you think that's going to end well. I just don't. I don't see that being something that ends well. So I want to assure you that I stand against racism of any form, but I also stand for our boys in blue. And those are not mutually exclusive positions. They are actually complementary positions. Okay. Our final thing that I want to mention, actually that I've seen um, posts that basically say that um, conservative Americans are guilty of American exceptionalism and they, they cheapen the gospel when they show forth their patriotism. Now, I believe it's entirely possible to become so obsessed with America and conservatism that you don't care about the gospel. But the reason why I am so patriotic is because I believe firmly that our country was founded on gospel principles. Were the men that founded our country perfect? Absolutely not. But they were motivated by their faith in God to begin our nation. And yes, we have blights. We create, we treated the American, the Native American, the American Indian with hostilities that we never should have. Uh, we stole land, and that's not something that we can be proud of or gloss over. We treated blacks uh, horrendously. Slavery is a very real thing. It was a blight on our nation. But we also fought a battle called the Civil War, where that issue um, was dealt with. And uh, thousands of men lost their lives on the battlefield of the Civil War, in part because of our dedication in certain parts of our nation to the issue of slavery. Um, I really believe that it was God's punishment on our country for allowing slavery to last as long as it did. I want to put forth something here as we're talking about the potential to focus too much on American exceptionalism or to say that um, celebrating our freedom in America negates the gospel. 
I just want to bring you to Acts chapter 25, where Paul actually invokes his Roman citizenship when he's being dealt with by the justice system of Rome. Acts 25, Acts 20, 22, 25 to 29 actually says, um, And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and is uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the captain came and said to him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum I have obtained this freedom. And Paul said, But I was freeborn. Then straightway they departed from him, which stood, which should have examined him, and the chief of captain was also afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. And this is actually the second time in scripture where Paul invokes his Roman citizenship as a way to assert his rights. And the other one was in Acts chapter 16 where he's told that he's free to go once they find out he's a Roman citizen and they don't have a right to hold him. And then he says, no, since I'm a Roman citizen... He has to come and get me. So Paul's, Paul's basically saying, he's not going to take the easy way right, easy way out. I'm going to take all of my legal rights to make him face me one-on-one and, re- and admit the wrong that he did to me face-to-face. So, and this is the same Paul who wrote, our citizenship is in heaven. And so he's not saying that those two things are at odds with one another. In fact, He's saying that they can complement one another. You know, Paul wrote uh, during a time where all basically all of government was dictatorships. And Paul lived under dictatorships. And he was beheaded at the hands of Nero in Rome because he insisted on going to Rome to share the gospel and to be heard in Rome. He could have been let go but he insisted on going to Rome because he needed to go there. And Nero, by tradition, had him beheaded and blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome. Um, But the important thing for us to know is that we should not get so obsessed with patriotism that we uh, forget about the gospel. But the reason why... I care so much about my freedom here in the U.S. is because I have the freedom to worship God in my church in the U.S. I have the freedom to express my views that all life is sacred and that we should defend life from natural birth to natural death because I live in the U.S. Um... And I, I think of the pa- the passage in the Proverbs that says, when the righteous rule, the, the people rejoice. Um, and it basically talks about if you have a wicked ruler, you groan. If you, if you have a righteous ruler, you rejoice. So we here in the United States have the opportunity to elect righteous rulers. And so that's another reason why the political process and voting is so important to me. I vote every election because I don't want to be the person that is sitting there a few weeks later and saying, I didn't uh, make my voice heard, but I'm still going to complain about the state of things. So, I, I, again, another thing that I don't think is mutually exclusive. And I, I just hope that uh, this, has, this, this show has been an encouragement to you. Um, I hope that if you... Uh, appreciate what's being shared here that you will uh, share it with others Um, uh, before we end I wanted to give you an update on my friends Gideon and Hope I don't really have a medical update for you but I wanted to just give you an update on the GoFundMe Um, so I'm going to pull that up real quick continue to pray for them and their daughter Evie as uh, she is dealing with trisomy 18 and um 
So let me pull up this GoFundMe real quick. Um, meanwhile, if you uh, do anything special on the 4th of July to commemorate that, uh, you can let me know in the comments on the blog post or on the uh, the Facebook group for uh, Speaking For Him, um, facebook.com slash speaking for him. I really do want that to be a forum where we can actually discuss the issues that are brought up on the podcast. So I, I think I told you last week that the GoFundMe for um, uh, Little Evie was a little over $5,000. Uh, this week I'm happy to report that it has, it has, it is at, at the time of this recording, $8,418. So we are, um, just about $1,500 from the goal. Um, and I would really appreciate it if you would consider giving a donation to help them go over the top. I know that, that labor and delivery is expensive enough in hospitals. And so, um, the added expense of the medical issues that um, she is dealing with will be even more. And so your help and your prayers will be very much appreciated. And um, But I just wanted to share that with you as we end today. And I hope that you're thankful for the country that you live in. You know, it's kind of interesting that a lot of people are hostile to America right now. And I understand that people are hurting I understand that bad things have happened, but the very uh, opportunity to be openly hostile uh, on Facebook or whatever forum you choose to be is a, a direct result of the fact that you live in the United States and you have the freedom to have that opinion. So as I finish, I just want to say thank you to my brothers who have served and are serving in the United States military. I couldn't be more proud of each of you, and I am so proud of what you do for our country each and every day. All right, well, that's about all I have time for today. Have a wonderful Independence Day weekend. Re uh, research what this day is actually about, because it's about much more than barbecues or backyard fireworks. And just be grateful that you live in a free country. Uh, this is Andrew Gamison saying, have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gamison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at Facebook.com slash Speaking For Him and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.